and welcome back to the Euro Trips podcast. It's time for a new series on the podcast. During the off-season, I'm going to try and attempt to do all 20 Premier League team season previews with a fan of every team. Now, I'm fully aware this may not happen. We'll try our best to get as many Premier League teams done as possible. And if we can as well, other leagues, which Ryan and I will hopefully get on to doing at some point. But in the meantime, this is our first episode in the series and our first team is AFC Bournemouth. And with me, I've got a Bournemouth fan, a writer for Vavil. With me today is Oliver Lee. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good, thank you. Nice to be uh, on the podcast and um, ready to start talking everything Bournemouth. You're part of Eurotrip's history, to be honest, today, because we've done fan specials, we've done mid-season sort of interviews with fans, but we haven't done this new season preview style format for specific teams. We've done them as like a whole. So um be the first fan to come on who isn't part of the usual crew. It's um you know, it's your it's, it's an honour you'll have with you till the day you die. Well that's that's quite something for me. I will uh, I'd certainly appreciate it and I hopefully I can um can mark, mark it in a certain way. Fantastic. I mean we're going to ask all of our new fans that haven't been on the show before to come on and sort of give us a story about how they became a fan of their team. So mm-hmm. for you, you're a Bournemouth fan. Um, what made you a Bournemouth fan? So I've actually got quite a bit of a different story, really, than mm-hmm. a lot of, I'd say, especially Bournemouth fans in that so where I'm from, there's not really a local team to support. And my, my dad has a real strong interest in football, but he doesn't actually follow a team. So I was kind of left with a decision of like what to do. And I, supporting a side so one of the top six never really grabbed me I wanted something I wanted to support a team that had a real I had a real connection with so I used to go down to Bournemouth quite a lot when I was younger just on family holidays and just to go on the beach and everything and I really liked it as a place so I began to get quite a connection with it and then in about 2010 2011 I just started to follow them and it was a perfect timing really because that's when it then that's when our surge up the divisions what um, happened and I was like wow that's quite, it's quite lucky, really. But no, it's yeah, it's been a bit different for me in that regard. But yeah, <laughs> pretty happy to be honest. Yeah, I mean the the rise you've had since since the noughties and particularly the 2010s onwards is is something that's been quite remarkable, really. And and to say that you you know you've come in and you've seen the downside, you've seen the down years, and you've managed to see them you know on the yeah. way out. Then back and forth the last few years between Championship and Premier League, and you know it must have been quite the journey. And for you, it's like well, you got that connection. I know it's not your local team. I know it's not a family thing. But if you've been there a few times before on holiday and stuff like that, so you got that connection there. So to yeah. have that journey, you've got even if you're, I mean, if you're asking where are you based, so I'm based in um, Buckinghamshire. So the real options there's not um. There's not really, there's like Oxford, Wickham, and then there's MK Dons, who I know some people have a kind of, for me, I don't really have the animosity towards it, but they're younger than I am, which felt wrong to support a team that say was formed <laughs> after I was born, which is more my my point on that. But yeah, I'd been to Bournemouth more than say I'd been to like Oxford and Wickham when I was a certain age. So I was like, I have more of an attachment to that than Wickham, Oxford and some of the others around here. Speaking of attachment... Who would you say is your favourite ever Bournemouth player? Um, well, I think it could be in recent years. Well, there's there's a few options, but the one I've probably I've seen the most, and especially recently, would probably be actually Junior Stanislas. 
I think he's someone who Bournemouth fans have when he's just had it loads and loads of injury problems when he has played he's been like there were certain seasons it felt like he was the catalyst and there was uh, to our success we we were a much better team with him he was like the creative spark he could play on both flanks and he's like goals and assists return every season even if he was playing only a small number of games they were really really good and he's just left the club after about nine years but I think he's someone that maybe to the general public is a bit underappreciated and even within Bournemouth fans but I think there's him and then there's others like Steve Fletcher, who is just a Bournemouth legend because he scored the goal that kept us in League Two at the time that has allowed us, that built the foundation to, for us to go on and succeed and become a Premier League club. And then there's other players around like Harry Arter, Callum Wilson, um, even more recently with like Jefferson Lerma. But I think for me personally, it's Stanislas. I just think he's, I think he was, he was a brilliant player when he played. And I think if it wasn't for injuries, he probably would have got moved to a bigger club, I think. Yeah, I, I understand this last when he first broke through at West Ham. And, um, you know, I don't think he had the best time there. Struggled to really break through after initially doing so. But looking at his stats for Bournemouth, he's there for nine seasons, 38 goals from 179 games from, from the wing position. I think that's a pretty good return for a club like Bournemouth as well. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's and I think that... As you say, I think that it's um, he certainly will be a legend because he's been there for so long and he's been there in the championship both times. And you know, it's you know, it's it's not you know, you're not kind of club that sadly are going to attract the likes of a Salah. So the numbers aren't going to be quite like Salah. But I think for, for a team that's you know, battling to stay up, survive in Premier League, mid table, etc., to get that many goals, I think I think it's pretty commendable. Um, so yeah. Salute to um, Stanislas, who is one of the players who has left this summer, as you're saying. Uh, this may be an easy answer, you, I don't know, but what would you say for you is your favourite memory as a fan? Um, it would be. It's funny because I actually wasn't there, so I'd probably I'd probably say one for a game that I was at, and then a game just in general. I think that any Bournemouth fan would probably say it's. Um, when we first got promoted to the Premier League, the game against Bolton, 3-0 on a Monday night. I was still only about, I was about 13, 14 at the time. And I remember just watching it on TV with my dad. And then I was like, this is, I just couldn't believe it. It was just incredible. Just think that it just hit me. It's like Bournemouth in the Premier League now. And so you have that memory of just, of just seeing, you know, the fans pouring on the pitch. I remember Jeff Mostyn was very, animated i think he he'd enjoyed a drink or two which you know 100 can under 100 understand in the situation but then in terms of um a game that i'd been at would have to be i was at the game when bournemouth beat chelsea 3-0 which was just i was just sat there i couldn't believe it it was the season after the chelsea just won the league under antonio conte and i think there was a bit of dysfunction in between like the fans, the players, the manager, and then it all came to a front in that one game, in that one second half, when it was again showed Eddie Howe's tactical nows in that he pointed at, uh, he could see the weaknesses and there was, I think the first two goals were runs in behind a high line and then the third goal was from a set piece. But And then it was capped off with Nathan Ake scoring at, on his return to Chelsea and now the career that he's gone on to have since leaving us, it was just quite, I just couldn't believe it really. It's just the things you don't expect to see. 
I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm very glad you said the Chelsea game. I was worried you were going to say a different game. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we avoided that one. Um, now, talking of ins and outs, now, disclaimer before we do this, we are in early July, so players may leave, players may come in, you know, since this podcast is released or before the time is out. But right now, mm-hmm. um, major ins and outs, I mean, again, do tell me if I've missed people out. Uh, but the main headlines one, uh, Hamid Triore from Sassuolo for £20 million, pounds, and then Justin Clivert from Roma for an undisclosed fee. And then the main outs, we've mentioned Junior Stanislas, uh, Jefferson Lomas gone on a free to Palace, uh, Christian Sadie uh, gone undisclosed to Portsmouth, and then Jack Stacey's left as well. Um, so in terms of that, are you happy with the business you've had? I mean, I know Clivert's come in, you I think goals have been an issue you've had. Your top score was seven goals with Philip Billing last season. So how good is it for you to see um, a strike come in like Clive with the reputation he has and from the club he's come from? Uh, how happy are you overall with the business the club's done? Um, I think so far, I think it's been promising. I think a lot of Bournemouth fans are very sad to see Lerma go, especially to a club that I think we we can accept in the sense that they are more stable in the Premier League, but I would almost say in a way that the way our owner is talking now and with the manager we brought in and stuff, I think there might be more ambition on our front than Crystal Palace, which doesn't always bear fruit and it can come back to bite us, but I just think that's the only thing that maybe it's a little bit confusing, but I we, I wish him well. He's been brilliant. Um, and then for the ins, I would say, well, so how much are he... He was on loan in January and he showed some bright sparks initially and then picked up an injury and didn't play too much. But from what he did in Syria, um, I think it's quite exciting. I think it's another option and it's a different kind of player to who I'm used to seeing. He's technically very good from the games that he did play, especially against Brighton on his debut. And then with Cliver, I think, well, there's the interesting thing with him now is at the age of 24, obviously being Patrick Clivert's son, he's only, he's, um, will have played in all of the top five leagues, which is quite something. But it sounded like he had a very good season at Valencia. And I think he will probably come here with almost a point to prove because it sounded like he struggled a bit at Roma. I remember seeing in one interview that he, you know, he left Ajax to go to Roma and was saying it as like a stepping stone to get him to Real Madrid. So he's had a little bit of a reality check, but there's definitely talent there. And under the new manager and everything, it'll be interesting to see how it happens because we actually do have quite a lot of wingers already. So maybe he'll be used as a striker. Maybe we'll use some of the other wingers more centrally. It seems quite a loaded position. Well, there's other areas that obviously we've got time to to sort out uh, time for the transfer window to you know, take shape and everything. But there's other positions that probably Bournemouth fans would say are more of a necessity than signing wingers. But I think it's exciting. I'm intrigued to see what he does, and I think he I think he's it's a good platform for him to be a success. You mentioned his Valencia season. Looking at, looking at his time there. 29 games for Valencia last season on loan, uh, eight goals. So I think, you know, Pens, I mean, I can't say I've watched Valencia too much uh, last mm-hmm. few years, but I think that uh, whether it is up front, whether it is out wide, I think to get eight goals is, is fair enough. And I think if it is, especially if you play that wide for Valencia, I think that's a great total. Um, fun fact, actually, I, I went to watch Roma play uh, a few years ago uh, in the 2020 21 
um, season, was it? Uh, at one point, I remember seeing him play for Roma where I actually saw um, Patrick Kluivert in the airport, which is quite a fun little fun little fact. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was quite cool. Literally about two or three, two or three days after I'd seen Roma play, because obviously you'd gone to... Um, obviously gone to see him play, but um, that's really cool. But you mentioned before about you've gone off wingers and maybe other areas. Is there, what areas would you say the club should be looking at? What players would you say in those positions maybe the club could look at in with what, um, what two months to go, a month and a half before the um, before the transfer window ends? Uh, so I think it's definitely bringing in a Lerma replacement. I think that's huge. He was one of the first names in the team sheet every season for the five years at the club. Uh, there's been a few names mentioned, but I don't know if any of them are from reputable sources, but I think the club will definitely be looking at that. Uh, and then in fullback areas, because Adam Smith, who has been at the club for a long time now, it's he's um, moving into his 30s, and I think the Premier League started to take his toll on him. So we'll need to bring someone in that, will allow him to almost perform as a backup and then left back where we had Vigno on loan last season and he performed well. Uh, there's talks that we could be getting him back and there's also been mentions of Robin Gosens, which I think would be a very ambitious move after his perform. I remember him being very performing very well for Atalanta a few years ago. I think he's gone to Inter but hasn't worked out as much since. But yeah, definitely the two fullback positions and then a slightly defensive midfielder to replace uh, Lerma. Okay, and then finally, we got to talk about it. One of the biggest talking points the last few weeks, I think, in the whole Premier League has been the second of Gary O'Neill. Um, caused a lot of talking points on social media with pundits, with fans, um, and people were, were not happy considering the fact that most people had Bournemouth going down last season. I actually wasn't one of them. I had them finishing 17th in our predictions episode, which I, I take quite proudly. Um, so most people had them going down. They stayed up, took, I think they were 15th in the end, you know, five, six games before the end of the season, they were safe. You know, did a great job. But obviously they got rid of him and they replaced him pretty much, I think it was in the same day, if not the next day, in, um, former La Liga manager, Andoni Iriola. Um so what what was your thoughts at the time when you did sack O'Neill? And what do you think Iriola can bring to this Bournemouth side? And what do you think was the reason behind the uh, eventual sacking of O'Neill? So my initial view was that it's a very it's a very difficult one because I personally, in a weird way, kind of thought, as I think a lot of Bournemouth fans did, believed it was weirdly the right thing to do purely because um, I think with the new owners we've got, they're quite ambitious and they want to move the club on. And I think a lot of, as and I, I respect this, you know, as, as I was with Bournemouth, I think a lot of the time people will just look at results rather than look at performances and stuff. And I understand why, you know, there's so many other clubs in the Premier League that will take centre attention, centre of attention. And we had a few runs under him, which really were quite... And I do respect the fact that we had arguably the weakest squad in the league last season, uh, especially before January. But I just think some of the performances were quite poor before we'd have... Then we'd have like spans where the results were good. But I still think that there was quite a few performances that were quite negative, 
that were quite and I think with the new manager it sounds like it's slightly more proactive he's got and I think as well with O'Neill sometimes the tactical style we couldn't really work it out I didn't really know what he was attempting to achieve and I get and I understand he's a young coach he he will be naive and I do believe he's got a bright future ahead of him I think championship clubs will pick him up I think someone will pick him up at some point and I think he's got he'll have quite a choice to choose from but I can understand the decision um it was cited as just there being a, a brilliant opportunity to bring someone else in and apparently Iriola had been earmarked by the club for quite a while as a potential coach who they would want and he and by the sounds of it, again I don't I don't watch too much Spanish football out of the top five leagues it's the one I probably watch the least it's the, it's the least accessible in England I think and but apparently Real Vallecano it was very high press football um, he improved the players he, it was on a limited budget which is something he won't have as much here we Bill Foley will want to give him funds to improve the squad as he wishes and um he also had quite a his record against Real Madrid and Barcelona looks looked pretty promising I think in their first season they got promoted he did the double over Barcelona and then last season I think he beat both Barcelona and Real Madrid which gives me confidence that maybe we can get a few more scalps this season because I think at the start of last season we had our record against the top six was quite poor. We didn't really give them any match at all. But then in the second half, we beat Liverpool. We beat Tottenham away. And then there was that game against Arsenal where we were 2-0 up and then Reese Nelson scores the last minute winner. But we gave them a match. And I think that's one area they would have looked at Iriola and thought that, that is how he can take us to the next level. And I think especially as next season, I'm seeing with the sides that have been promoted... I think from a squad point of view, I think the only one that it looks like they could really challenge is Burnley. I think that he sees an opportunity now almost to progress us towards the top up, towards the upper half of the top half in towards like 11th, 12th, maybe. It depends on business. You know, anything can happen. But I think our squad is as it stands, considerably stronger than the likes of Sheffield United and Luton. You know what? I totally agree because I think in the day, um, he's only meant to be an interim manager in the first place. Obviously, got the job um, toward the end of the season. But let's be honest, his last... Looking at the um, stats, um, from the, basically from the mid-season break onwards, so from game week 16 to 38, so... He's only only won seven games and only drew twice, so he only basically dropped, uh, got point nine out of the um, what's it, 20, 21, 22 games out available. So you know, last four games of the season, all losses, only three points clear of Everton. So I think whilst he did a good job, I do think as well, staying up a bit like Everton was down to maybe the three teams below, just being that much worse. I mean, Leicester should be nowhere near really being involved in the relegation battle, but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, Southampton and Leeds just didn't get the wins. I, th I think that, you know, I think, I genuinely reckon if it had been maybe 10 more games, they may have not stayed up. But I think 
you know, O'Neill did as good as he can, but I do think that what they're doing is actually quite commendable because they are looking to the future because I do feel that if O'Neill was to be there next season, they kept him on, I do think maybe it would have been the end of the honeymoon period and maybe it would have been relegation. But I think now you've got someone like Iriola in, I do think potentially um, this could elevate you guys to being a mid-table team like you were for the first few years under Eddie Howe in the Premier League. So I think that whilst is I think it's obviously getting for O'Neill, I think, as you said, I think he'll get jobs anyway. I think he could e- even get a Premier League job again. Say, I don't know, if Sheffield United need a manager mid-season or you know something like that, or even just, you know, I think he's now established himself as a survival specialist, uh, if you like to come in mid-season. But I think I think certainly he'll get a job somewhere. For that, t- like Darren Moore as well, who sort of sacked in the same week as O'Neill, um, somewhat unfairly as well. I, I do think that O'Neill will, will find work uh, somewhere else. And I think it doesn't be long before he has got a new club. No, I definitely agree. Um, I just think there was a few ways people phrased it, especially with, as one point you alluded to, I think that we have quite a tough, the fixtures have not been kind. And I think in a way, the owner's probably seen a potential problem that could arise. So it's better to do it now, have the new manager have full confidence in him, that even if we do make a slightly rough start, we've made, we've already got the manager that we want in. And then the other point was that someone said that if you've if you got a striker, but then you see a better striker on the market, you're always going to sign it. So I think that's the kind of way we've looked at this, of seeing that we've they've, we've gone for a better manager out there. Which, as a fact, I think sometimes we've not done that enough as a club. And I know it's just talking, and we've had a very you know, positive number, positive decade. So I can't really complain about much. But I think that's one bit that as a club, we're probably a bit too sentimental at times. So it's nice to see us, you know, be a little bit more brutal and do that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that, you know, we all, um, you know, I remember years ago when Southampton got rid of Nigel Atkins, everyone was outraged. They were going, oh my God, why have they got rid of Nigel Atkins? And then who came in? Pochettino and look what he did to them. So I think that, you know, sometimes, I, th- I think as well, you know, Graham Potter, everyone thought when he was leaving Brighton, that would lead on to, you know, the club going worse, but they've gone, I think, better since he left. So I think sometimes it's the case of when a manager goes and someone else comes in, it's not, I, I think sometimes, you know, that manager can unlock potential for a team even more than one manager could. And they look good at the time because they hadn't had anything better than that before. So I, I do think that um, if you ever look at come in and do what Potch did and just take this team to a far new level. Um, speaking of which, we are going to head to our final segment, which is going to be our fan prediction. So, quickly for you, um, what would you say is your prediction for the season? Where, what is your prediction? Early July, penciled in, or where they're going to finish table-wise, positionally uh, this season in the Premier League? I think I'm going to be somewhat boring and just say somewhat yeah somewhat boring and just say that I think we'll finish one spot higher than we did last year in 14th I think the way we go in with the business new manager and everything we're looking less likely that we'll get relegated I think there's teams around us that have lost um lost a number of players I think wolves are in quite wolves have got quite a job to rebuild West Ham are losing rice well the only important player we've lost is Lerma. So I'm thinking we could be into quite a solid season, 14th. I'm hopeful of more, 
and I'm a little bit pessimistic. It could be less. We could get dragged in still. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, I'm going to say 14th. Okay. And that is where we're going to end this episode, our first episode of our fan season predictions. Um, before we go, um, where can people find you on social media, Ollie? Uh, so I have a Twitter account called Ollie, spelt O L I, Lee, L W E S, Journo. That's the best place to find me. And I'll be tweeting about Bournemouth. Also, I often tweet about the Bundesliga. Quite an interest in that. So, yeah, mainly mainly about football and uh, anything else that's going on. Fantastic. So this will go out on our socials, but if you haven't got Twitter and you, and you listen to this episode, that is how you can find him if you do want to go on Twitter and check his workout. But in the meantime, that has been the Eurotrips podcast. Thank you to Ollie for coming on and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>